is some of the most healing food right in our pantry? You know what? It is. And I discovered that through the work that I do and the research that I do. And I really found that it's the people are often looking, Dr. G, for the superfood, the next best thing, the next best supplement, uh, not all of which are great. But, you know, it's right there in your pantry. It's, it's the spices. It's the spices in your cabinet that can help you every single day. In addition to making your food delicious, you can actually get a lot of brain benefits from them by eating them consistently. Welcome to Heal Thyself. Thank you, everyone. What, what, what a show I have for you. Check this out. Do you know who Dr. Uma Naidu is? Because if you don't, you need to be knowing her. Did you know that many foods out there, many foods that we eat, both the really crappy ones and the really healthy ones, are going to dictate so much of our mood? If you think about it, foods are information packets for our body. When you have vitamins and minerals and antioxidants, they all play a role, whether as cofactors for reactions, stepwise reactions, to creating certain proteins or molecules in the body that are going to have a positive or negative effect on our mood. We have to make informed decisions about what foods we need to be bringing into our diet to positively benefit our mood, right? So if you're suffering with something like constant anxiety, Right? There's always the emotional component I talk about, but you got to be doing right by the food stuff too. So if you're suffering with something like constant depression, helplessness, overwhelm, if you're really in a state of mental disruption, aside from the emotional stuff, we know this, you got to be doing the right foods because these are going to be feeding your hormones and neurotransmitters. So we are going to get the most up-to-date evidence-based foods that we need to be eating daily Dr. Uma Naidu is a trained nutritional psychiatrist. What that means is you're going to be getting all of the evidence on the best foods that you need to be eating for your mental health. I'm so excited about this one. This is such an awesome take and angle that we're taking on food. But first, before we get into that, my Knowledge Bomb segment is going to go into a little bit about mental health too. When you think about the importance of social acceptance and the detrimental effects of social rejection... It becomes very clear why so many of us are living in such a contracted state. But did you know, when you're socially rejected out of a community or not accepted into a community, there's physical, biological changes that happen in the body that you could be suffering with right now and not even knowing. This ties back into the whole concept of being in a community. Well, in the Knowledge Bomb, I'm going to be going over exactly what happens in the body when we're socially rejected. How is our body perceiving the social rejection? And then ultimately how to build and nurture better community. It's going to be a really good one. Thanks for joining. Let's get ready to jump into the show. I remember it was a few years ago uh, in neurology class in medical school, I was learning about the brain and the different centers of the brain. And I remember there was one part of one class where we talked a little bit about ancestry, social rejection, social isolation. I find it really interesting. At the time, I put it in my filing cabinet of my brain and then just went on with neurology. But then recently, somebody asked me about it on Instagram and I thought, wow, this is amazing. And then I had a friend copy and paste a part of an article and send me something about how our brain perceives social rejection. 
And then it piqued my interest. And then I said, okay, the signs are all there. We got to do a show on this. It really got me thinking. Now, I talk about love and I talk about fear as polar energies that we live with. And we hear so much about living in love, right? A lot of us are living in fear and it's part of the structure of the society we're in. You turn on the news, you're going to see fear-based stuff. You open a magazine, you're going to see fear-based stuff. You look at how people around you are acting and it's fear-based. But it goes maybe a little bit deeper. And I think it has a lot to do with our interactions with each other. So I want to go into exactly how important is social acceptance for social rejection and how deeply ingrained it is into our biology. Did you know that social rejection has a felt experience similar to physical pain? The need to belong or be part of something is evolutionary. In fact, it's weaved into our very biology. Our survival as we were evolving depended on it. When we are as a group, our chances for survival increase. But when we're alone, they go down. There was an article called Social Acceptance, The Sweet and the Bitter, published in Psychology Science Journal. And it starts off with this beautiful quote by Lily Fairchild. And the quote goes like this. Deep down, even the most hardened criminal is starving for the same thing that motivates the innocent baby. And that's love and acceptance. We need social acceptance. We need to feel that we are needed or desired to be in a group. Social rejection is the opposite when we're pushed away from that group. You remember in high school, you were sort of like looking where to weave into and what group you'd be accepted in. Everything was really clicky, but you didn't feel necessarily part of one group or maybe part of another. This was a real experience of social rejection and social acceptance. How many of you felt that? How many of you remember actually what it feels like to not be accepted into a group or even worse, excommunicated or isolated from the group. Now I mentioned earlier about being accepted into a group or community increases our chance for survival, but it also satisfies another fundamental biological initiative, and that's passing on your genes. By being in a group and being a continuous member of a group or community, you increase your chances of finding a mate. These are all biological programs in our body where we feel better because we're in alignment of what our body wants to do. Remember, we live in a different world now. We, by all intents and purposes, could be hermits living in a mountain, only relying on technology and kind of doing our own thing, right? A little lone wolf. But our ancestors, they survived and passed on their lineage on this very concept of social acceptance, right? Being part of something. And social rejection likely meant that long ago our ancestors were meant to die. It was a death sentence. Now, according to this aforementioned article, Social rejection brings up feelings of anxiety, anger, sadness, depression, and jealousy. Diminished self-esteem and self-worth are all part of it too. And yeah, we know this may be right. We may have gone through these emotions and feelings when we were rejected. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them. And their quality 
Alitara Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you asked me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products. GHKCU and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alituria Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? An experience of brew that's not only delicious, but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health focused principles backed by solid, scientific, research based, rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity, and this is important because we have to understand, coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy, boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roast with sweet fruity notes and their dark roast with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. But did you know that with social rejection also comes cognitive impairments as well? Here's a fantastic excerpt from this article. Social rejection influences cognitive process in two main ways. First, it reduces performance on challenging intellectual tasks, resulting in subpar performance. Second, social rejection causes people to become cognitively attuned to potential sources of social acceptance and potential threats, presumably as a means of gaining acceptance from others. Rejected people can also be hypersensitive to signs of threats. For example, rejected people perceive hostility when confronted with ambiguously aggressive actions of a stranger who do not represent a source of affiliation. So essentially what this is saying is when we are rejected, 
from groups and community, not only is it going to affect the way we do our work and the way we perform, right, which can totally affect just our livelihood, but really what happens is when we're socially rejected, we become hypersensitive to the world. We are hypersensitive to potential threats, but we're also hypersensitive to where we can gain acceptance. So how many of you live in this state of, okay, I'm really inherently, not even consciously, but maybe subconsciously needing connection, needing community, needing acceptance to be seen and heard. And now when we interact with the outside world, any way we can gain that acceptance, we become hypersensitive and always presumably going towards that as a potential source of acceptance, continuously putting our energy into that or any potential threat to that acceptance, we become hostile and ambiguously aggressive towards that. It's a question to think about. It's a question to think about. Are you operating from really looking inherently, whether consciously or unconsciously, looking for a community and becoming so sensitive to where you can find that and pushing away any threats from it? Something I never even thought of, but something that may actually resonate with a lot of you. And the more we experience social rejection, the more aggressive we get overall as well. And we see this in multiple lab studies. And because social rejection can make us even outwardly aggressive, right? Or even hostile, especially to threats. When we are socially rejected, the moment we have some small taste of acceptance, even from a stranger, it's enough to even reduce that aggression markedly, right? So that's very interesting that our anger can go down just by a stranger accepting us. So how many of us are living in a constant state of anger because we're not feeling socially accepted? Social rejection also increases the lack of impulse control, even around food, which is wild to me. How many of us are living with that constant whisper of you need to be part of a community, you need to be accepted into a bigger tribe? And when we're not, with that rejection, we can compensate with an increase in impulsive behaviors. And for me, my theory is around safety. I actually believe that social rejection triggers deep emotions that lead to the compensation of addiction or anxiety or compulsive behaviors. So biologically though, biologically, what happens when we are socially rejected and do not have a community? Well, not only do we see the aforementioned mental emotional changes, right? The anxieties, the depression, the mood changes, but downstream, we start to see physical disruptions from not being accepted into a community. Cortisol goes up, as you'd imagine. So your blood pressure goes up, your blood sugar goes up, your sleep is disrupted, anxiety goes up, your libido changes, you see weight gain changes, and you have an increase in inflammatory proteins in the body. You're in a higher state of inflammation just by virtue of being socially rejected. Progesterone actually goes up too. And with this, you might see weight gain, bloating, water retention, fatigue, and mood swings as well. It can also cause anxiety, an increase in anxiety, which interestingly enough, may actually drive some people to go out of their way to make good impressions on potential affiliates where they can get accepted into a community. Interesting biological driving force. It seems to me that so many of our physical changes in our body, mentally and physical, are centered around seeking community to be accepted by. Here's one of the most interesting parts. With social rejection, the parts of our brain, the dorsal anterior cingulate cortex and anterior insula light up. And this is correlated with pain. Literally, the I am not accepted into this tribe, I am rejected from this tribe, causes the brain to perceive physical pain. 
So much so that they've done studies showing that Tylenol actually was shown to reduce the neural activation from social rejection versus placebo. Tylenol actually helped people with their hurt feelings. That's incredible. So naturally, then we come back around this conversation that I've had on the show many times, and I've asked many guests, how do we create more community? Now, I'm of the belief that you're never too old to create a community, but first you have to be in touch with yourself. Really, it's important to understand who you are first. Because to be part of a community, you have to show up as yourself. Because if you show up in a community as not yourself, that is never sustainable. So the acceptance into the community as the version of you that sort of is not you or unstable will only be fleeting. So most important before even putting yourself out to be part of any community, whether it's your local church group, your local basket weaving group, your local sewing group, your local marathon or triathlete group, you got to show up as yourself first. This comes back to the authenticity. Who are you? What is the integrity of you as a human being? What parts of you have you accepted? Have you accepted that you are a loving, joyous, grateful person, but also an angry, sad, fearful person? The more that you accept all the parts of you, the more that you hold the capacity of who you are. The more that you hold the capacity of who you are, the more you give people the opportunity to see the real you. And of course, wouldn't you only want to be on a community that accepts you for you? That should be your number one parameter. I will only be around people. I will only give my time to people who see and accept me for me. But first, it's up to you. Another way to foster better community or better social acceptance, aside from you holding the integrity of yourself, is look for a hub. How many of you know that one person who knows everyone? There's always somebody who knows that everyone, especially if you move into a new town, right? I was just in Austin a few weeks ago, and I, the I did a quick theoretical exercise. If I was to ever move here, like, would I have a community? Well, I know two dudes, and these dudes, of those two, one is a major hub. He sort of knows everyone everywhere. He knows the fitness community. He knows the yoga community. He knows the conscious community. He knows the rock climbing community. So I know him as my connection, him knowing me, being able to vouch for me as a upstanding human, as a human in integrity, will be able to seamlessly weave me into other communities where I could find more friends. So really, when people vouch for you, that is the quickest way into getting into a community. But again, you have to find out and hold yourself in who you are and what you truly love. Are you a person who loves painting on the weekends? Then find a community that is actively holding and influencing and inspiring your gifts because that's gonna give you the most nourishment. To be with people that are allowing you to fill up your cup of gifts and artistry or whatever it is on the daily. That's the most beautiful community in my eyes. So look, I know how hard it can be. I know a lot of us are alone. I know a lot of us may have moved to a new town. I know it's hard at the age of, you know, I was just at a, at a party and this guy moved into, he just moved to LA and he's 38 years old. And he's like, I don't know anyone. And I was like, I'll be your friend. But it's interesting because I put myself in his shoes and I was like, wow, 38 year old man, it's really hard to just come to a new town and make guy friends. Like let's go on a mandate and hang out, right? If you've ever seen the show, the, the movie, I love you, man. So again, you have to be clear on who you are, show up as yourself and let people come to you. I really hope that helped. I hope that was informative and I hope you enjoyed it.
Let's get to this amazing, amazing special guest interview with Dr. Umanedu, nutritional psychiatrist. All right, everyone, check this out. I got a rarity on my show today. I got a special guest who doesn't do many in-person interviews, and I got Dr. Uma here. And if you don't know her work, she is going deep into the foods. What is the important nutritional interventions to help our brain reduce that inflammation, put us in the best mental cognitive state, not only now, but for the long term? And I'm super excited to talk about some of the best interventions we can make with the doc, she is here. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Dr. G. I'm really excited to meet you and to see you today. This is like a unicorn in here. You're here and you know you don't do many in person and, I, and we got you. I, I'm excited that we can make this work. Very cool. Your work is compiled in, in making sure that people are in the best mental health. And that is some of the most beautiful work you can do because I've seen so many people suffer with mental health yeah. issues, and that can degrade someone's health faster than a skin condition. It is so true. Right? Faster yeah. than so many physical yeah. disease. So yeah. uh, I love that you're doing this work, but I'm going to ask you a question right off the get-go. Is some of the most healing food right in our pantry? You know what? It is. And I discovered that through the work that I do and the research that I do. And I really found that it's the people are often looking, Dr. G, for the superfood, the next best thing, the next best supplement, uh, not all of which are great. But, you know, it's right there in your pantry. It's, it's the spices. It's the spices in your cabinet that can help you every single day. In addition to making your food delicious, you can actually get a lot of brain benefits from them by eating them consistently. I love that because... One, affordable. Yes. Two, they last pretty long. I, I got to check mine. I might be a little expired after a while, <laughs> but, but they last long, yeah. and there's, so, there's research actually behind some of these spices. Yeah. What are some of the best ones that we need to be filling our pantry with? So, you know, let's start with something that many people are suffering with these days. I keep hearing in my practice, and even just questions that we get on social media, people have a lot of, a lot of fatigue, and they're having a lot of brain fog. Uh, some of it maybe side effects of long COVID, but other just, you know, what's been going on for the last several years. So I like to talk about an antioxidant called luteolin because it's in certain herbs and spices like Mexican oregano, um, some red, uh, red and hot uh, sweet peppers, um, mint. So a nice pick-me-up if you're feeling a little bit kind of tired in the afternoon, it's a fresh mint tea. It really kind of perks you up a little bit. And so adding those in um, could be super helpful. Mm. But one that I talk about maybe a little too much is uh, something I grew up with, which is turmeric and a pinch of black pepper. Now, as a child, you know, my grandmother would make a golden chai for me and I learned the recipe from her and she'd add other spices in. But more recent research showed that adding a pinch of black pepper, so the piperine from black pepper, activates the curcumin and makes it like 2,000% more bioavailable to our body and brain. So that's a little trick I learned through my research. And it's something that, you know, if you don't cook, you can add it to a tea, a super smoothie, but very powerful antioxidant, very powerful anti-inflammatory, something simple that you can do. And, uh, and, and so I, I like to add that in. Now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of spices, um, but also spicy food. So I mm. like capsaicin from chili peppers. 
And you can actually modulate how spicy you eat a food, but it's extremely valuable. In, in fact, you know, in other medical uh, work, it's used for pain yeah. and things like that. So it's just it's just another spice to add. And now that's just a few of the many um, that I love. I love that because we have in a glass bottle or a plastic one, but yeah. mostly glass ones yeah. they, they come with. And we have therapeutic benefit, right. evidence behind this stuff. Yes. I mean, turmeric is, that's that's like one on the top king or queen up there. That one was it is. amazing stuff. It really stuff. is good. Yeah. But you mentioned cayenne, capsaicin. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is, the, this is one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Because when I found out that it's used in medicine for pain, they yes. have it on the rubs. Yes. I was like, okay, I wonder if I can use it on a wound. Because I, I, right. I have it actually in, in mm-hmm. the kitchen. Mm-hmm. That and cinnamon, anytime that there's a cut. Yeah. I'll put it on there. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll clot everything, clean yeah. it up. And yeah. it's like... Yeah. And it's beautiful just to see how it works, even topically. This is true. You know, ancient cultures have done this for so long, and it's almost like we we are catching up. Um, So I agree with kind of the experimentation around it. And, and, you know, as a chef, I care that food, we we spoke about this a little bit, people feel if if food needs to be healthy, it can't be delicious. And spices just bridge that gap for you Mm -hmm. because you add the flavor in, even if it's a little bit of dehydrated garlic, uh, say you can't get fresh garlic or you're traveling, Uh, But something that adds that flavor and gives you, you know, the herbs that you need. And another tip I have about this is, because there are the fresh herbs, like we mentioned, mint. But if you ever use, say, dried mint, just use like half the quantity because the fresh is, is abundant, but the dried is very concentrated. So you just want to use half, about half the amount and you still get a great effect. Mm. And you can use these, like you said, some for teas even. You can put as, as teas, you can put some for food. You can put some as tea. You can you can add them to top a dish mm-hmm. and and include it, you know, roasted veggies, your, um, your kind of um, grain bowl, mm-hmm. whatever it is that you enjoy. I, you know, make a lot of what, what other, um, th- you know, almost my own, um, diff- my different types of salsas with mm-hmm. different herbs and spices, but I also will chop up certain herbs in uh, my roasted dishes, and that way they incorporate the flavor, mm-hmm. and then I eat it, and, con- and I'm consuming that when the, the food is ready. So it's kind of an easy way. You just learn these little tricks and tips when you're cooking, and part of it is you want to include those benefits. Mm-hmm. I'm inspired to get in the kitchen already, just talking about all, like, the simplicity of... Yeah utilizing spices. So everyone viewing and listening, take a little inventory of your spice cabinet, mm-hmm. see if it's expired, get some new ones, mm-hmm. make sure turmeric, cayenne, some mint, maybe some basil. We got parsley some herbs thyme, and spicy, all parsley, of thyme. Yeah. Make sure you Oregano, fill it up there yeah. And, yeah. And, and put it on there. Now, one I've always been in awe of, and I haven't seen much research, but some mm. on saffron. Yes. Now, is it true that saffron can be an antidepressant? Yes, it can. So saffron is very, very powerful as an antidepressant and it has a good amount, a good body of research behind it. The only difference, Dr. G, is with saffron, you know, if you're making a risotto or, um, you know, in, say a biryani and you use those spices, or um, it could be a fisherman's stew, um, they don't take much saffron. So mm-hmm. saffron is highly expensive. Uh, it's also you only use a few threads for your dish. The research, though, used supplements and mm. th- because you, they needed much higher doses. So in the, in the case of saffron, I think it's fantastic to cook with. 
But if you're using it for that antidepressant effect, you probably need to speak to your doctor about a clean supplement mm -hmm. because you're going to need those higher doses, mm -hmm. but very good evidence behind it. You know, when it comes to overall health, the little daily habits can make a huge difference. Take flossing, for example. Seems like such a minor thing, right? But taking good care of your teeth and gums does way more than just prevent cavities and bad breath. Emerging research shows that it can actually support whole body health and may even prevent cognitive decline as you age. That's wild, right? That's why I'm really excited to tell you about this awesome company called Slate and their game-changing three-in-one electric flosser. It's the only product out there that flosses your teeth, massages your gums, and even scrapes your tongue to remove bacteria to promote fresher breath. I've been using the Slate Flosser for about a month now, and I'm hooked. Unlike regular floss picks that you have to jam into your mouth, this electric flosser does all the work for you with 12,000 sonic vibrations per minute, really cleaning out them gums. The innovative gum sweeps give your gums a gentle massage to increase circulation too. And let's not forget the built-in tongue scraper to help zap bad breath at the source. So to start one of the easiest and healthiest daily habits with the Slate Electric Flosser, Go to slateflosser.com and use the code DRG to get 10% off of your very own flosser. That's 10% off of your easy-to-use Slate Electric Flosser at slateflosser.com slash DRG, S-L-A-T-E-F-L-O-S-S-E-R.com, and the code is DRG. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been opened and I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights and these are staples. And, I, and not just me, I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle, staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. I love that. Because still, in, in that, it's the it's showing you the power of food, the power of spice, right. the constituents in it, how it can help something like depression. And talk about expensive. Not only is it expensive, they give you a little glass jar. So <laughs> you, you have, if you if you grab a, more than a few threads, you're half gone already. <laughs> exactly, you're done with it and you spend yeah, a ton of money. You spend a ton of money. I know, yeah. saffron really gets you. So I know you work so much with mental health, mental healing, the anxiety, the OCDs, the ADHDs, mm. the depressions. In your research, and your time you've been doing this, what are some of the biggest pillars that are leading to so many people suffering so much? You know, I think that one of the things that's happening is we, f we find that when we go to see a doctor, 
I think the expectation from both sides of that relationship are that a medication will be exchanged. And Dr. G, you and I know there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, medications have saved the lives of many of my patients, but it's not the only thing. And I think the big thing that we're missing is that there, there are these other tools. The model of care that I've practiced in my clinic is really holistic and integrated with a functional approach looking for a cause, but putting it together for people. So I ask about nutrition, I ask about lifestyle, I ask about exercise, spending time outdoors, um, forest bathing, I ask about whatever I can. Also simple things, hydration, right? All of which impact your mental health. So I feel like when we see a doctor and the expectation is we need to take a pill, we need to unthink that a little bit. When it's necessary, absolutely. Uh, medications, you know, in serious mental health conditions are life-saving. But at the same time, why not also ask, what is someone eating? So if you're prescribing something that is going to cause metabolic side effects and cause the person to gain weight, you really should be asking them, what do you eat? Are you exercising? What else is going on? So I feel that that's one, one pillar that we need to broaden. And perhaps consumers need to understand that they need to ask about the questions that could also help them. And then we need to maybe advocate a little bit more. Yeah. Unfortunately, mental health is not practicing this way. We are not asking about food. We are not asking about nutrition. And for that reason, you know, I'm working to expand the education around this, uh, both through programming at the hospital and CME-based based programming for yeah. clinicians so that they can actually learn these tools. But another thing that we're not paying attention to is body intelligence. And this is a pillar I talk about in nutritional psychiatry because I hear all the time, you know, I'm fatigued in the afternoon, I need another coffee, I need a nap if I'm working from home, I'm too exhausted to take care of the kids, I'm just, you know, things are not working well for me in the afternoon. But people seldom consider what they've eaten. It's usually I didn't work out or I did work out and I'm tired or I, uh, the traffic was really horrible or, or I had a stressful meeting, but we, we're not looking at... What have I actually been eating these last several days? Have I done some meal prep? Which is, which is hard to fit in, but if we make the time, it, it does help us. Um, so because I didn't do that, I stopped and got, you know, a fast food or I stopped and ate something at the office that was fast. It wasn't a nourishing meal. And when you start to put that together, you realize that you can actually feel lighter, feel better, and make a healthier choice for yourself. Yeah, and, and it's incredible to put that education now out because yeah. the incoming health professionals need to know this stuff. And the, the funny thing is, Dr. G, what inspired me to step back a little bit from the direct clinical work in the last year and lean more into education and development was that I, my book came out during the pandemic and students, medical students, fellows, residents, people from all over the world, even high school students. Like I will always pay attention and try to get back to the high school students because the the younger folks coming up, if they care about this, we can actually change yeah. things. Yeah. And so um, during the pandemic, I did a lot of, lot of lectures online for groups like that. But um, putting it together, even in a the first level of a course, so people get introduced to it and I want to build it from there. And that way they have some knowledge um, that they can start to change things. Because I really feel like mainstream psychiatry, even though I commend the American Psychiatric Association because they've asked me to write a textbook 
on oh. nutritional psychiatry. It's it's taking taking me time because I'm busy, but they they would acknowledge it, which I think is a big thing. I think it's going to take much longer for us to create a subspecialty. Yeah. So so in that time, I I want people to suffer less and to have more tools and for clinicians to be able to offer them more solutions. And the only way to do that is education. Yeah, and, and especially, like you said, the younger generations coming up. And I'm so happy to hear that high school students are even interested yes. in this. But you know what? They're, they're, talk, they're talking about more about mental health. They are. They this are. is and actually seeing, something. They are, and they're seeing food as one of the solutions. Not the only solution, right. but why can't we also do this if we want to feel better? Mm. And I love that they are paying attention and they have all these cool projects and stuff yeah. that are going on. How do you feel then about cell phones? The, the yeah. connection to cell phones, the unhealthy balance yeah. that a lot of people find. Yeah. What do you think about cell phones and mental health? I feel, I feel a little bit mixed um, because let me, let me start with the positives and I'll, I'll work from there. Some of my patients with anxiety, um, and it's interesting because many people don't realize that anxiety is still probably by, three, by 3x the most common condition in the United States. Um, mood disorders often cause disability, and that's how the two sometimes get a little confused. But that being said, sometimes, and a lot of the time, mood and anxiety run together. But many of my patients actually will use an app, even a meditation app, a breathing app, which I teach them to practice when they're not feeling anxious, so that when that panic uh, comes on or that anxiety wave is is something they're feeling, they can turn to that. And if um, a smartphone is an easy way to access that, if they're um, on a train, if they're in an airport or dr driving, anything like that. So on the one hand, it does provide some solutions, even meditational music or just calming sounds, sounds of nature, uh, whatever it might be. So there, I think there is a place, but I think we've grown um, really too dependent on, on uh, and, and I openly admit I'm, I'm, I spend way too much time on my phone because it's my way to communicate with right. my team. It's a way that I get my work done sometimes, but it's not good, and I know that. And I'm trying to be better about, you know, um, putting my phone away before bed, yeah. hours before bed, really putting it away when we go out for dinner. My husband and I are talking or, you know, enjoying conversation with friends. I really want my phone to be away. Um, and so I think the way we need to think about it is in moderation. Uh, being, you know, parents, I think, need to be careful about social media and their, ch and their children because some of the stuff that goes on in terms of information that's being shared, hacks that, that right. people want to try can actually be physically dangerous and medically dangerous. Um, and also people can get very wrapped up in um, a drama that, can be very painful for them and have negative effects. And given that right now, our most critical suicide rate is in young folks, you know, I think social media can be very dangerous in that way. So I, I just want there to be some moderation of it and maybe some guidance from parents over how and what social media their children consume. And this is a great point because it's such a new frontier yeah. for current parents and future parents. Yeah. You know, I'm not a parent yet, but I'm like, okay, how am I going to handle this social That's media right. thing? And you talk about young suicides. I wonder how much of a role has to do with 
the social media, the identity of social media, the right. chastising of social media, right? right? And the bullying that goes on. The bullying, on. it's incredible. The isolation that, that kids mm-hmm. feel. Um, and, and sometimes this is popularized or it's, it's kind of shown in a movie, right? There's a depiction of it. Yeah. But it happens in real life. And when you, when, when you realize that that could even be a component, it's very scary because... You know, there's 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 now several a couple of generations who have missed out certain huge um, kind of milestones in their in their young lives, yeah. right? And so isolation is a very big part of it. You know, there's a very fascinating study to make this point that was done um, neuroimaging at Mass General, and the research has found that individuals who had not had a COVID infection, so they've not been exposed at all on their brain scans had neuroinflammation. So whether it was the isolation of the of how things went down during the pandemic, um, whether it was the worry, the stress, they actually developed neuroinflammation. So think about it, you know, even the kids who may not may or may not have gotten an infection or adults, all of us, there's still impacts on our brain. Mm-hmm. And so when you add to that the stress of the social interactions, which can be difficult, it's just it's just something to be for us to be careful about. One hundred percent, and so many of us trying to find community. Yes. And finding it through social interactions, but it's not real community. That's it. It's not how we evolved. It, it's not. It's not sort of a human connection. It's, human it's, connection. it's 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 the social media connection, and people can rely very heavily on that. Um, and you know, I I I have to tell you that. My own experience of social media really evolved, and my entrance into social media happened because it was the only way to share my work. Because my book was launched right in the middle of the pandemic, and it was so early that events hadn't become virtual. There were book signings couldn't be virtual. Mm-hmm. Everything, literally, the world fell away beneath you. Know, so besides the yeah. horribleness of everything yeah. that was happening, I had this other life in writing my book. And what it taught me is how can I, I really had to grapple with how how do I make this useful to people? And so I use social media as an educational platform. And I've continued to do that and found a way that I'm at peace with it. But it's not perfect. It's not a perfect world. Mm -hmm. And so I try to balance that out with um, how do we offer guidance and advice to people? How do we... Do it in moderation, yeah. you know. Yeah, 100%. It's very this, important. Yeah. Same, like, <laughs> people, when we're putting out information, we got to be on our phones, but... Yes. It's just a matter of just boundaries, you know. It, it, that's I, right. Healthy off, boundaries. Healthy boundaries, right. and there's nothing that's going to have me turn it on again. You yes. Know, for me, I got need to put it in another room. Yes, Once the, that's it's right. like a few hours if, before bed, off in another room. And it has to be, you almost have to have that physical boundary in that yeah. instance. Because it's buzzing, it's something's <laughs> happening, you know, someone's calling because right. they're in a different time zone these right, days and right, whatever it right, is. Right, so right. so we, we, I mentioned about community. How important is having human connection on mm-hmm. our mental health? It's one of the most uh, critical things. It's one of the most, and, and this is why, as we went through the last several years, I would say to my patients who are single or who couldn't be with their parents because their parents were older, even if you have a Zoom dinner, even if you connect with someone on your FaceTime over lunch, I think this is important. It's just important to bring in that sense of community. You know, a lot of the research done in the Blue Zones is fascinating because they um, talk about the power of nine. 
And some of the factors weren't related to food. They were actually related to that sense of community. Now, the interesting thing, you know, people will talk about the Blue Zones diet and Blue Zones foods, and they'll mention the wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I personally think, and looking at the research, that that's related to the sense of community. It's not the actual, you know, yes, there's some positive benefits of it, but it's also the community. It's bringing the family together. It's eating that meal together. It's conversation. Um, it's, you know, having, giving someone a hug, it's that warmth of the human connection. Because I think we, you know, we um, as humans are, we're meant to be with others. We, it, it's, it's, it's part of our nature. Mm-hmm. And so I think that as best we can, maybe for younger folk to, and for everyone though, to create a healthier sense of community was, is important. So social media, I don't think is the best way to do that, but other ways are important. Other ways, yeah. So that's a big pillar. Now let's get to your bread and butter, right? Or your your healthy gluten-free bread <laughs> and, and your healthy butter, yep, organic. Yep. <laughs> uh, we have the nutrition, right? Yeah. And there are so many great evidence-based foods yep. that are simple. Like you said, yep. we're going crazy over the next superfood. What is this mm-hmm. exotic berry from Peru? Right, oh, it, right. What do we have right now at our fingertips mm-hmm. that can make a big difference for the viewers and listeners if they just intervene it right now. So you remember when I walked in, I said, please finish your lunch, because that's like really important. Um, And you know, what I noticed was that you had a lot of like delicious leafy greens. And I cannot tell you the number of times that I get the eye roll when I talk about leafy greens, because you know, we've heard this before, but leafy greens are related to mental health. Because decades of research has shown that low folate is associated with the low mood. So having those several cups, whether it's a side dish, whether it's in your uh, part of your breakfast dish or wherever it is in your day becomes hugely important just by eating it consistently because that's vitamin B9. We know that B vitamins are really important for our brain. Um, So adding and including those foods becomes key. Another thing that people often think they need a supplement for is a prebiotic or a probiotic or a fermented food. All of these things we actually can easily have in our kitchens. We can either make, we can we can purchase, so you can buy fermented um, foods like kimchi or certain pickles. Just watch for the sugar content and buy them refrigerated. Miso paste, all of these are delicious um, things that we can add to our food. Prebiotic foods are actually garlic leeks and onions, which are the allium family, some things that many people cook with a lot, um, bananas and oats. Mm-hmm. So these are foods you can you can bring into your diet every single day. So even though it may seem like, oh, well, I've heard this before, understand that the, the connection with, with these foods in your brain have have really been overlooked. Yeah. People think about, well, I'm going to eat healthy because I need to lose weight. Or I'm going to a wedding and I need to fit into yeah. that dress or whatever. That's, you know, culturally how we tend to be, unfortunately. Yeah. But here's the thing. A lot of these foods are good for your brain. So we talked about the spices. Fiber is sadly lacking in our diet. Yeah. And we tend to count protein grams, also important. But most Americans lack the fiber in their diet. And you can get fiber from you know, vegetables, fruit, beans, nuts, seeds, legumes, the healthy whole grains, I try to add those in. So there's there's all of these sort of groups, you know, people know and have heard about the omegas. And, and uh, these are important. They're healthy fats for our brain and body. Good amount of research for anxiety with omega-3s. And a huge amount of research for cognitive health 
and for depression. So these are powerful foods. And, you know, I think that not everyone consumes seafood. So there are non-seafood sources like hemp seeds, chia seeds, sea algae, and you can always supplement with a plant-based supplement because the short-chain omegas, ALA, don't convert as well for your brain health, but they're still worth it for the other benefits. So mm. take a supplement if you need to in that instance and add in those nuts and seeds. So, you know, I'm, I'm touching on a few things and, you know, I'm, I'm sort of almost not leaning into the whole rainbow vegetable because I feel like that's like with your leafy greens, it's the basis of how we should be doing things. Right, you know right. I mean? It should we already be, be there. It should be. We shouldn't be telling people this, you know, because right. a people are tired of hearing it. Yeah. And so I, um, you know, I just say, look, challenge yourself. I make it a game because that becomes more fun. You know, challenge yourself to eat like twenty or thirty different colors and different vegetables. And we can believe it or not, they're enough in our in our um, grocery stores that we can come up with different things, slightly different things to make it more interesting. Mm. Even different types of leafy greens can make it interesting. So those are just some guidances that I, I build, build upon. I love that. And, and if we, and spices count in that number. Spices count, right? count in so that number. Exactly then, the colors. Right? Because then we're just adding spices that's to right. a dish. We get 10 right there. The, you, 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 exactly. In one dish, is certainly, you know, some of the Indian dishes, you can get one. Oh, you, you can get your 10 right <laughs> you in one whole, dish. You got, you got the whole week on, in, one, in one dish. <laughs> I love that. Okay, here, here I love blueberries and berries. I put this in my yeah. smoothie every day. Yeah. And that has been my go to. Mm-hmm. How powerful are blueberries for your cognitive health? So blueberries are super powerful, and um, some of the work that I reviewed on um, trauma actually showed that uh, blueberries were were very powerful even there. And I think that um, not only just adding in some blueberries into your smoothie or adding it into your day are hugely important. You know, I, I like people to almost rethink things like sweets and dessert to think, how about delicious blueberries, yeah. you know? Like a little cup of those or mm-hmm. quarter cup to, to, to feel better, to munch on when you mm-hmm. have that craving for chocolate or an ice cream or something yeah. like that. So they have, you know, they're rich in anthocyanins, uh, which give them that beautiful color. They're actually rich in fiber. And along with eating that whole fruit, you're getting the, the minerals and the vitamins that your body needs, vitamin C. So you know, one one of my one of my go tos, one of my favorites, and uh, you know something that I, I like people to think about berries as the other the other good thing in mental health, Doctor G, with berries is that they are lower on the glycemic index. Yeah. So if someone's coming in and they are taking medication, which has already caused that side effect of weight gain, suggesting that they eat healthy servings of berries. Um, during the week becomes something that they, you know, that they can do. And instead of, say, a more higher glycemic level fruit, not that it's bad, but for them, they just might need to start with berries and work from there. Mm. You know, a little uh, sweet treat that I that I do for mm-hmm. myself. I'll put a little bowl of blueberries and I'll mix in some either almond butter or yes. maybe some peanut butter. Yeah. I'll mix it up and it'll yeah. be like, it'll satisfy that craving yes. that I'll have sometimes, you know? And, yes. and it, but I know that it's it's going to be healthy for me. Yes. So yes. really, really, I, I mean, blueberries are, I think, my favorite food. You know, I, I'm, so, I'm so delighted to hear that they, um, you know, they're, they, they're nothing, nothing bad can be said about nothing blueberries. Be, yeah, right? I mean, come on, they're blueberries, right? So how about, but how about the, the, the mushrooms? Yeah. The functional mushrooms 
Are you a fan of these lion's manes for, for our brain health? They actually have some really good benefits, and I've written about this. So I think that um, if they appeal to you, if you know how to use them, you know, they're in all sorts of different preparations now. Yeah. Um, I think that they, they are great to include. You know, I, I'm a food-first person, so if yeah. people are taking mushrooms and dehydrating them and making them into a tea or something mm -hmm. or a version of coffee or whatever it may be. What I guide people on is if it comes from a whole food, watch for the added uh, sugars or other ingredients. This is different from, say, something like orange juice, where my recommendation is eat the orange. Right. Because you get everything in yeah. there, including the fiber. But, you know, the store-bought orange juice has sometimes six or eight teaspoons of added sugar. Yeah. Um, and the fiber removed. So it's not the best choice. But with a lot of the more functional foods and things like that that have come out, they're actually good options for us to almost um, improve, you know, our, our options for brain health and along with everything else. So. Okay, here my, here my partner probably wants me to ask you this question. I'm going to ask it for her. What about dark chocolate? She loves dark chocolate. Yes. Uh, yes. She, go, she has dark chocolate seeking behavior. I'm, 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 glad, you, I'm glad you asked. So here's, here's the lowdown on dark chocolate. Some really good research looked at uh, pure natural dark chocolate. So we're not talking the fancy candy bars with, with dark chocolate. We're talking just the pure natural. Um, great source of prebiotic fiber was shown in a pretty large study to help mood and lift depression. Um, it is rich in magnesium. Magnesium actually helps anxiety, so it's a food that, that brings you magnesium. And so, you know, I say the darker the better because it's actually good for our brain health. The cacao flavanols are very powerful. And so, it, for me, it, the guidance is, you know, the type of dark chocolate you're eating and having people go towards the chunks of dark chocolate. Mm. And recently, you know, there was some concern about all chocolate and um, cat exposure to lead and cadmium. So part of it means looking at the most recent consumer reports on what's been tested most recently and which brands you're going to be safer with. So mm -hmm. just something to, uh, you know, some it's interesting that some reports have said, look, there's so little in it, you don't really need to worry. But here's the thing, not I don't know how much, you know, your partner eats versus how much I eat. So I right. can say, sure, you know, have a little bit, but a little bit for her, maybe a couple of bars, you know, versus a, a square of chocolate, right? So it's different. I can attest a little bit is almost <laughs> half the bar. <laughs> I said, where the, where's this? I thought we just bought some chocolate. Where'd it go? And two days later. It's gone. Uh, but I love that you brought up the consumer consumer reports, right? right. The, the concern for heavy metals, something like lead, yeah. it can affect our brain health. It can affect our brain Long health. term. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, there's a lot of people who are feeling those symptoms of depression. Yeah. Diagnosed depressive. Yeah. Yeah. And we mentioned the power of how medication can save lives. Mm -hmm. What is, when it comes to depression, and, and, you know, we look at neurotransmitters. Yeah. Is it all neurotransmitters? Is it other factors? Where are we looking at? Where is the mm. paradigm at mm. in, in your field when it comes to how mm. we look at depression in medicine? Mm. You know, it's interesting because uh, we've, we've built, we've kind of based the treatment of depression on selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors like Prozac, Zoloft, uh, Paxil, Selexa, all of these. Um, some recent and important research done uh, in the UK during 2022 sort of upended the serotonin theory instead of said, look, I don't, we don't think it's all about serotonin. And here's, here's what I feel. I don't think it's one thing. I think that, um, you know, why was I drawn to the power of nutrition? Not only because it was a gap in our education and what's something we were not using in patient care, but because it can have 
supportive additional benefits to how you're feeling. So I don't think it's just one thing. Um, and I feel as though it's environment, it is genetics, uh, it's, you know, uh, loneliness, isolation, all of these things play a factor. Um, and so putting it together, yes, the serotonin has been a cornerstone as one of the neurotransmitters, as well as dopamine, all of these medications target different ones. But when you think about it through the uh, gut-brain ecosystem, serotonin is important, as is dopamine. And you can actually eat, you know, eat in, a, in a way that helps your gut health and therefore helps your brain health. So I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't shy away from that, but I, I want people to understand it's not just one thing. Mm. And the more we know, the more we can try. But where food is powerful, um, it's that tool in your toolkit because it's the power at the end of your fork. And you can make the choice towards eating that healthier food on more days than not. No one's perfect. You know, I, I talk about uh, consistency being key, but none of us is perfect. So yeah. 80% of the time, do your best. And 20% of the time, life happens, you know. Mm. Uh, um, I will say to parents that I work with, you know, you might go to take your children to a birthday party and someone offers you a cupcake. That might happen in your life. It's, it's okay, you know. But that shouldn't be your everyday staple or your everyday diet. So um, depression is complicated. And, and I think finding a solution that fits what that person needs is very key. Psychotherapy, hugely important. Um, you know, I met, um, I was in the UK for a keynote, um, being a keynote speaker last year, and I met a fascinating woman who's actually shared her story publicly. And she had been on multiple psychiatric medications People, um, she shared how, you know, her, her um, teenage daughters were taking care of her because she really wasn't able to get out of bed most days. And she went to a GP appointment and she saw a pamphlet on um, art therapy. And she decided to, she thought, you know, what the heck, let me try this. And she went. And over time, it completely transformed her life. Mm. And she speaks about this and has written about it. And I, and I think that it just speaks to the power of how something can change a person's medical condition, yeah. psychiatric condition, by, um, you know, over time she was able to, to lower, with her, um, the help of her doctors, lower the medications, and really assume, when I say normal, a life that wasn't dependent on medications. Yeah. And so it's very, very powerful when we think about other ways to heal. You know, serotonin and, and depression is one of the... It's one just of one ways. of the pieces. One of the pieces of Not this puzzle. Not the piece that we thought. Yeah. And I love the part about art therapy. And for me, coming from my world, the way that I see that is self-expression is so important when Huge. it comes to mental health. Huge. And being in line with your soul's gifts, mm -hmm. right? Man, when we were kids, we were drawing pictures. Mm -hmm. I was performing. I was doing all the dances and all the <laughs> acting and everything. And, you know, we, some people were doing fashion, but like dressing up. Yeah. But... We lost that as we got older mm. to conform to this norm that says you have to be this to be an adult. Right. But what a gift that if you can do art once mm. a week, mm. right? imagine how that changes your mental health because finally you're doing something that is in line with your authentic yeah. expression. Yeah. So it makes sense it, why even depression can get better. Start correct. lowering, lowering the doses yes. of the medication. Yeah. I, I really love that. Now, there's a, the standard American diet is <laughs> unfortunately the standard. Yes. <laughs> what is the number one food 
that you know is a forest fire in our body's ecosystem. The one that you say, hey, if there's any food you need to get off of in the standard American diet, yeah. man, you got to get off this one. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's Liver Detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trafalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that have been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I Shop.com slash DRG. You know, I don't think you need to be surprised by this, but I think people don't realize that, you know, we're always talking about sugar. There's, there's natural sugars in our diet. So those delicious berries, they have natural sugar. But um, the problem is people don't realize that it affects our brain, actually affects our neurons. And so our diet is, the standard American diet is infused with sugar. It's in things that you wouldn't even realize. Fast food French fries have sugar in them. Mm. And the way that they um, are made, they have, believe it or not, not that much potato on them because they're so, they're so engineered is, yeah. is the one I'm looking for. So they figured out a way to make them hyper palatable. And one of the ways you don't taste the sugar was adding a subtle amount of sugar. Now, think about how um, if you've ever been to a drive-thru in a, a fast food place, you know, you upsize your French fries. And then you get the biggest size, you think, well, I won't eat all of it. Then you eat the whole thing. Yeah. Then you're like, well, you know, they, it comes with this really large soda. Why don't I get it, you know? And the soda is laden with sugar. It's At true. the end of the meal, you're hungry because you actually want you you want more of something. Yeah, I I hate to say it because you know people just they they I, I don't demonize sugar. What I'm trying to say to people is it's not good for your brain. So if it's one thing that you can do differently or think about differently, it's you know when you're shopping, learn to read food labels. Um, four grams of sugar is one teaspoon, and it confuses people because. Our recipes in the United States are standardized to pounds and ounces. So if you cook or bake, you know, you, do, you look at a food label and you don't know what grams are, right? So if you convert that and you look at even something um, like a yogurt, if you eat yogurt and you think, well, blueberries are delicious, it can have a half a cup can have um, of store-bought yogurt can have like, you know, eight teaspoons of sugar. So it's a way to just rethink our own environment and make 
make better choices. Mm. And that's what I'm asking people to do. Just rethink what you're doing. Um, see where the added sugars are. Fermented foods are great, but if you're getting a kombucha that's um, made in the store and being sold, right. it could have a ton of added sugar to offset that kind of sour taste, which makes it fermented. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's all these little things. It, it, it's so important. Yeah. It's so important because we can't, unfortunately, visualize, you know, when we're talking about ounces and grams. Yeah. But then when we can visualize teaspoons and tablespoons, we go, right. wait a minute, that's a lot of white sugar that, in here. You know, would I be adding in four, eight, 12 That's teaspoons of sugar into like a little in a cup. In a small of, little cup, right? In a small little cup. Yeah, right. and, then you, and, and then we're like, yeah, yogurt is so good for you, but it's so sweet. It's so sweet. It's right. so sweet. And, and, and you can still have, um, you know, have, in fact, there are several manufacturers now that are much more savvy about the sugar. Right. And you can try those, or you can get just the plain. And uh, one of my favorite is cinnamon to sweeten. Cinnamon is a great sweetener, mm. and it taps into the antioxidant. Um, part about spices, cinnamon actually helps um, kind of stabilize your blood sugar a little bit and throw in those delicious blueberries. You know, yeah. you've got something that is, um, some people even put in like a nut butter, you yeah. know, uh, to the yogurt and makes it almost a, a whole flavor for themselves. That sounds like a Dr. G mix right there. Yogurt, nut butter, yeah. blueberries, there and some go. cinnamon. Oh my God, there's your dessert right there. Yeah, you don't, and, you don't and need much more Antioxidant than rich, feeding our brain, feeding yeah. our gut. This is... This is everything. It's so easy, too. It is easy. And what I find, I do this a lot when I travel because these are these are things that are easy to get if you're in a hotel or you stop at a supermarket. And I find them satiating, you know, because I, I when I have a little bit of yogurt, whether it's dairy, sometimes I have a coconut yogurt, I find it satiating. I'm, I'm actually pleasantly full after that, and I've enjoyed it. And it's not the same when I eat a less healthy breakfast on the go, mm, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I just really started to pay attention to that. Have you done any research or seen the effect of our pesticides mm. affecting our gut, our pesticides mm. affecting our mm. brain health? What We talk about so much about food. <clears throat> um, does it matter, the conventional versus organic? It does, you know, and here, here in, as well, there's, there's a balance. Um, I feel like it's hard to get away from the pesticides that have been used because they're all over. Um, the best we can do is think about buying cleaner products, whether it's a household product or, um, you know, what you drink your, your water out of, uh, what utensil or container or um, refillable bottle you use. The, the issue with food is that I see it in a continuum. If someone is eating a standard American diet and eating at a fast food place all the time, I want to move them towards whole foods. So if those whole foods are getting vegetables which are not organic, but that's what they have within reach and is affordable, I'd rather they be eating that than, you know, French fries with the added sugar every single day. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one part of the puzzle. But another part of it is that the Environmental Working Group gives you a list of the Dirty Dozen or the Clean 15. It's a guidance. And um, if, you know, if you can look at the ones that are organic and, and stay with that list, that's yeah. one guidance you have. And the ones that you don't have to spend the extra money on. Ultimately, there may still be pesticides and much of what we're eating. So I think cleaning up our act overall is what will help. Um, I, I would be lying if I said everything that is we eat that's organic doesn't have 
pesticides because it's in our environment. Mm -hmm. And you probably will detect a certain amount. But eating, if you can eat organic and you can find those non-GMO products and stuff like that, those are usually going to be better for your brain. Mm -hmm. um, but again, if you're subsisting on uh, uh, chicken nuggets and french fries, right. then I would rather, I'd rather you get any vegetable or any whole food or piece of meat or whatever you eat, seafood, that's an actual food, you know, mm -hmm. that. Yeah, we think about how, again, like you just mentioned some foods like standard American diet, like these chicken nuggets that we're eating. It's these folks when they just make a change in a week. This yeah. is like a new light at the end of the tunnel. Like, oh yeah. my God, I've never felt like this. And a human body adjusts so fast yes. to what it's given. So their new normal is just feeling crappy. Right. You know, so uh, I, I love that it's so, like you said, at the end of the fork, it's so accessible. It's accessible. And we can make the choice. Yeah. You know, we can make the decision. So it's sort of, you know, do you take the right, right turn to the fast food place? And will you feel differently if you don't eat that food every day? And or do you take a left and, and just get actual food, you know, mm -hmm. real food. You mentioned some of the questions you ask your clients or your patients. Mm -hmm. And hydration was one of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I heard that one, I, I'm not skipping over it, it mm -hmm. stayed mm -hmm. with me. Mm -hmm. How are we more dehydrated than we think? Mm -hmm. And what role does dehydration play just in our overall mental health? Will it help mental health? It really does. And that's why I have it as one of the, the steps I walk people through because uh, I think that if you're consuming um, six to eight or more glasses of water in a day and you don't have any medical condition, um, you know, that would uh, would cause dehydration. You should be, you know, you should yeah. be adequately hydrated. But the problem is that, you know, dehydration can precipitate panic and anxiety. People don't realize it. Another thing is that uh, dehydration has been associated with depression. Uh, so always just worth keeping yourself hydrated. Um, and then the other thing is that in the brain, the signal for hunger and uh, hydration or thirst are in a very similar, they, they actually overlap. So I always say to people, if you have, you know, if you're heading towards that vending machine or that piece of chocolate that's a candy bar, you know, have a glass of water. Just drink, drink, drink a glass of water because sometimes that craving or that hunger will just, subside mm -hmm. because you were actually thirsty and your body didn't realize it. So so dehydration and, and, and all of that is just a very interesting subject and really interacts in, in with mental health that people don't realize. So easy, right? It's, it's so easy. You just get, yeah. grab a cup of water, see if you're really hungry. Right. Or your signals are getting crossed up. That's right. And you know, that. you may actually feel feel fine until yeah. dinner or, or whenever it is. And the last part that you mentioned that stayed with me is nature, forest bathing. Yeah. First of all, people might not know what forest bathing is. Mm -hmm. What is it? And in your research, what is the power of nature and our mental health? Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, a Japanese, it's, it's a, the Japanese term is Shinrin-yoku or forest bathing. And it's really spending time in nature, being, not necessarily being one with nature, but allowing yourself that time, that space, that energy uh, to, to be in nature and allow the healing powers um, of the fresh air, the the uh, the you know the the beautiful plants, the leaves, mm -hmm. the forest, the trees, all to be around you, and it was found to be very powerful not only to be healing but to be calming to people. Now you know I recently moved, uh, made a transition, and I'm part time in a big city. 
I don't necessarily have nature right, right on my doorstep every day. So I've got to adapt that in my head to find mind, mindful times that I can walk in the park and find my version of that. But then when I'm, when I'm further away and I can engage in more natural habitats and spend time in nature that way, I do. It's not only healing, it kind of resets your mind. You know, it it's allows you to have your mind wander with, the, with our days being as crammed as they are. I often hear from people that working virtually, they, they've lost the boundary of healthy, mm. like end of the day work, and they're still checking email at eight o'clock. Yeah. So just that walk, just that time outdoors, um, and if you are near, you know, r real nature and, and all of that, enjoy it. You know, spend mm. that time outdoors. It's hugely beneficial to resetting um, allowing for mind wandering, just just being, um, just having that calm sense of a sense of calm kind of permeate your being, mm -hmm. and it can be very almost even meditative, you know. I love that. Walk, so, and and I notice the days that I'm in nature, I sleep better. Yes, I just sleep better. It's, all it's, the, time. the days that I'm moving in nature, I sleep better. Yeah. It's, it's and I see it on my, my aura ring, you know, it, right, it just show me exactly. <laughs> just thinking about it. Hey, hey, we covered a lot. We covered hydration, food, spices, depression, how it looks, the picture of it, mm -hmm. cell phones, nature, everything else in between. I love that this was so comprehensive but easy. And, and, I, and I see that that's what you do with your work. You make it accessible and easy, right? And it doesn't... We don't have to spend a million dollars on this new recipe right. or this new detox box or something, right? right. Mental health box. It, it's right there. We go to the supermarket yeah. and we just get our hands on it. Well, thank you for saying that, Dr. G, because, you know, the purpose of bringing my book forward called This Is Your Brain on Food, and I look at the different mental health conditions. Um, number one, you don't have to have a diagnosis. You may just be struggling during this time. You know, just your mood is not returned your energy, or you're feeling really anxious and worried. You don't actually have to have the textbook definition of a diagnosis. You may actually be, still be able to feel better because of how you eat. And I felt that the message needed to be simpler than more complicated because people hear complicated protocols all the time. Yeah. And it's really going back to these basics that we often overlook or we think are related to weight or uh, something else in our lives. Just but they actually relate our mental health too. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, mental health is not above the, above the neck. It's, it's part of the rest of us. So including this and all of these ideas in a, in a real holistic way becomes important. It's holistic. And so all the viewers and listeners, listen, I don't care if you feel a million percent, you got to get this book because it's going to give us the blueprint of everything and more, much more than we talked about on the show, about the foods we need to be eating, the practices all in a holistic sense. Because you said it's not just the head up, it's the full body mm -hmm. for our mental health. I remember the commercials in the 80s, this is your brain on drugs with the, with the egg right. on the thing. This is your brain on food. <laughs> and it's going to be glowing and it's going to be radiating. And that's, that's the top thing that we need to be doing. Hey, look. I love your work. I Thank love you. that we got to get you in person over here. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Maybe Thank next you, time you. we get you for another unicorn segment next we year will. for maybe Definitely. part two. I would love Definitely. that. Definitely. I'd love that. Thank you so much, Doc. Thank you, Dr. G. It's really lovely to meet you.